Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to all that jazz podcast. I'm your host Matias, and today I have with me Alkisis Agio, and she is from Greece. Yes, we're gonna talk about stoicism. We're gonna talk about life coaching because she's a life coach. We're gonna talk about harmony, the practicality of stoicism. Marcus Aurelius. We're going to talk about Zeno, which is the Greek originator of Stoicism. We're going to talk about Socrates' Socratic method. We're going to talk about virtue in the Greek philosophic way. We're going to talk about growing up, the Greek philosophy, uh, philosophic view on God and her philosophic view on God. We're going to talk about the best way of learning something is actually to teach it. Ooh, interesting. The importance of valuing your time and how if you value yourself, you're going to value your time more. This and much more in today's podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the new episode of All That Jazz. I'm your host, Matias, and I have with me Akistis Agio. I think I butchered that name, but okay. <laughs> and I she's Akisis, and she's a coach, a speaker, an author, um, Stoic CEO, and uh, a person of many things. So, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, my dear friend. And um, so, I had a very interesting history of Akisis Kiz years ago on YouTube when YouTube was very, very small in 2007. Um, I already was following her videos and, uh, and I remember years ago, she, she made me feel very good. She, she wrote me a comment. I, I looked it up the other day when we were talking and it was 13 years ago. And he told me, you are a powerful person that will influence many in your country. And that made me feel like, wow, what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> See, that'd be a self-fulfilling prophecy we'll see we'll see um um but yeah it was good um so um i don't know much about stoicism and stuff but i've heard it's good so uh, let's start with um what the background that you have you have a very interesting background that you're in so it looks like you are in greece well you are in greece but you are in a very specific location (laughs) yes yes this is a, a virtual background of the Athenian Stoa, where Stoicism, or something very similar to this, uh, where, where Stoicism began. It's a school of philosophy in Athens. Um, yeah, so I'm speaking to you from Greece. Right. And um, so uh, Stoicism is a very interesting philosophy, and it deals with, is it like... Um, I always come back to um, sports because I love sports. There, there was a player called Kobe Bryant, and he used to say uh, that he tried never get too high or too low. He was always just on go, and he was he was one of the best players in the world. And is that is that part of stoicism that you're not trying to be too up or too down? Well, I would say it's part of uh, you know. Harmony and balance, harmonia in Greek, uh, is a, a basic uh, principle, if you like, of Greek philosophy. It's, mm. it's what the Greeks aimed for. 
And so Stoicism being a school of philosophy uh, represented that as well, of course, keeping what temperance was one of the the virtues, the cor- four cardinal virtues. One is temperance, that's mm. duration and just keeping the balance, as you say, not too high, not too low. Some call that equanimity, you know, balance of the soul. Um, this is something very Greek, you know, it's it's just it represents Greek philosophy, the harmony and balance away from extremes, you know, mm. not hot, not too cold. Um, yeah, it's representative of Greek philosophy. And of course, in Stoicism, we, we practice it, we try our best to practice it. Right. Uh, um as the first book you wrote was about you can realize the dreams with the help of Greek philosophers. So I imagine the Stoicism is is one of those philosophies, right? Absolutely. You know that was a my a, a book way back I think around two thousand seven it was published or six I can't recall uh, my first book how to realize your dream with the Greek philosophers. So uh, that was a book with many quotations and a method, the, the a beginning of a method that I had uh, created and developed over the years. And of course, that was one of the principles that I taught. You know, I, I, I said uh, in that book that there's like uh, 12 principles, uh, 12 or 13 principles. And I likened it a little to uh, building your temple. You have to have mm. these 12 principles in place. And, um, and it, it had it had its uh, details, but now over the years I've developed the method and I've reduced it to three basic principles. So I've simplified the method. So I, I believe that you know I'm trying to make philosophy easy, approachable, practical, um, and Stoicism has influenced me because it's it, the most practical of Greek schools, the most mm-hmm. practical, the least abstract. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with abstracting and uh, just philosophizing for philosophy's sake. It's kind of like pure and applied science. You know, there's a space for pure science, just uh, discovering and exploring. And there's a place applied. So stoicism is is an applied science. It's an applied philosophy. Right. Uh, So it's very practical. Very practical, so much so that if you imagine the the, the U.S. Army uh, trains its soldiers in Stoicism, for example, I mean, really? it's that practical. Yes, because uh, Stoicism essentially builds mental and emotional resilience. Um, you know, the Romans first discovered this school in Athens, Greece. And they liked it so much, um, you know, they had armies to take care of, they had a uh, very organized government, and right. everyone uh, was trained in this philosophy. For example, Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, he was uh, one of the main Stoic uh, thinkers, philosophers. So imagine how practical it is, even Marcus Aurelius, the head of the world at that point he was like the president of the world if you like right and uh, so he was the emperor of rome he chose to be a stoic there's a reason you know <laughs> and not only did he choose to be a stoic he went on to 
create more Stoic writings, and uh, we learn through his his teachings, his his meditation. As, as mm. a, and he's uh, he's more popular. I mean, not more popular, but more well known than the the Greek ones that that invented Stoicism, is it not? Yes, indeed, that's a very good point, and I intend to change that. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is that the Romans took it on. It was created in Greece by Zeno. Uh, Zeno uh, was, um, I'll tell you the story. Zeno was a ship owner who, who lost all his ships here in uh, outside uh, the sea here in Greece. Sorry, sorry, um, I'm, I'm picking up some... Uh... I don't know if it's traffic or here no okay it's not there okay okay cool um so zeno of citium was uh, a greek uh, ship owner and yeah. merchant okay he transported imagine these vessels okay and so at some point there was a big storm and he lost all his ships so he arrives at the port of piraeus here in greece uh about a hundred years after um Socrates, a hundred years after Socrates died. And uh, he arrives at the port, he makes his way to Athens, penniless. And uh, well, you, you're never poor enough to, to read a book. So he, he happened upon a bookstore and generally people were teaching philosophy at that. He met the philosophers and he discovered um, the teachings of Socrates, mm. okay? Everyone was, after Socrates died, uh, everyone started making schools uh, in honor of Socrat Socratic teachings. He was a very popular guru, if you like. So Zeno discovered Socratic thinking, and he was a very intelligent man. He fell in love with this, uh, this book, The Master, and he started teaching about Socrates. And slowly, because he was a good teacher, a charismatic teacher, he created many students and, you know, started a school uh, of Stoicism. So basically, the real teacher is Socrates. Mm. Everybody gets their source. The source is Socrates. But they elaborated. They, they, they made it even more practical. And uh, when the Romans uh, later invaded uh, Greece, uh, the Roman Empire, you know, they spread the Roman right. Empire, they discovered schools they discovered various schools and to them the most popular the most interesting was stoicism there's a reason for that think about the practical reason mainly because it builds emotional resilience it's a practice it's like some people call it the buddhism of the west okay i i don't know if i agree because you know there is there are some basic differences but there are some elements of Stoicism, especially the self-discipline and the self-leadership uh, that is similar. You can say you can uh, compare Buddhism and Stoicism. Right. So, so say you, if you were to do, um, if you were coaching somebody, let's say you're coaching me and, and you had to do one exercise, give me one exercise to do uh, to be more Stoic. For example, what would that be? Well, you know, I would, uh, if you, ha I would, we would look, for example, at your main problem, your main issue, your main discipline. Issue. Let's say discipline. <laughs> the, 
Uh, you lack discipline. Yes. You lack discipline. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we would, uh, we would, first of all, we would say, you know, stoicism begins through disciplining your thought. Okay. Because thought is all over the place. So I would train you to discipline your thought. How do you do this? The first thing, one of the first things that Stoics look at is what are the things I can change in my life and what are the things I can't change? Okay. What are the things, this is called the dichotomy of control. Like for example, can you control the weather? No. No. You don't try to control the weather. You don't try right. to control the uncontrollable. What can you control? You can control your thoughts your actions, your emotions, and the way you see things, hmm. the way you see things. And uh, we would look at the way you're seeing things. For example, um, Epictetus, a great uh, Stoic teacher, he would say that it's not things or events that upset people. It's the way you perceive events. Hmm. It's the way you're perceiving the event. So say you're stressed up about something. The first thing to look at is how are you perceiving that event? Are you perceiving it as a threat? Probably if you're afraid and anxious. Right. How are you? Why, you know, so we would first start disciplining your thoughts. Um, in what way? What does a philosopher do? A philosopher asks questions to himself. Mm hmm ask questions right the first the main question being is it true is the fear i have is the anxiety that i have is it true so you use logic and reason kind of look at your thoughts objectively detached and you say is this thought i'm having true and like socrates would say okay prove that it's true prove that it's true because we lie to ourselves. We have very limited beliefs about ourselves, And so the, you know, it's the constant checking your thoughts and seeing whether what you're feeding yourself is true. It's all about overcoming self-deception. Right, right. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to myself about Stop what I'm doing. Exactly. Stop lying to yourself. Um, and this is it, you know, the self-leadership, the self-control, the self bringing your attention to truth and yep. using reason, using reason to look at your thoughts and say, maybe I'm dramatizing or maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe I'm taking things far too personally. You have to ask yourself. The philosopher asks himself or herself. So it's so very like, introspective. Like you, you have to guard your thoughts. Controlling, not so much control, because control is like suppressing. Right. It's more like have clarity of thoughts. Have clarity. Be clear with your thoughts. What am I thinking? What did I just think right now? Where did that come from? Is it true? Is that the whole picture? Is that really the whole picture? Maybe if I stand back and the Stoics call it the view from above. Look at your situation from above, get a more global picture, and then start uh, having jumping to conclusions. You, right. you don't generally it's 
in my the way I you know I see it is looking at my thoughts, reflecting on my thoughts, and uh, scrutinizing my thoughts to especially where I'm lying to myself, where I'm being unclear. Right. It, it reminds me a bit of uh, there's a prayer called the Serenity Prayer, and it goes like. Uh, Absolutely. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Exactly. <laughs> this is exactly stoicism. Uh, what can I change? And this this prayer obviously derived from Stoic teachings because the Christians, uh, you know, picked up many the Romans, I said, but also the Christians. Uh, picked up a lot of Stoic philosophy, a lot of Greek philosophy. Uh, one of them being that, this, this uh, dichotomy of control, as you said. What can I control? What can't I control? Let's look at what's in my hand. What is in my hands? My thinking, firstly. First of all, mm -hmm. my thinking. Where is my thinking causing this problem? Um, so that's one of the disciplines. But there's other things like we have motos 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 uh, motos yes motos like um for example we have a motto saying called the obstacle is the way the right obstacle is the way so you you take obstacles and they become in in the stoic it's like f they should fuel your fire mm. you know it's like bring it on Right. This, you take the fire, you go through the fire. Right. This again reminds me of uh, Kobe because he would use any criticism, um, Michael Jordan as well, and any criticism that was directed at him, he would use that and, and, and try to, try to uh, put up better performance because of that. He would use that as fuel, you know, he would actually thrive on it. Yes. Not bitterness and resentment. No, it's no, a no. He would uh, like, play better. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'll do it. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, prompting me. Thank you for reminding me. Right. Not only that, they would train harder as well. Like they would, they would, uh, over, like, uh, come to this obstacle. Like Jordan came to the Detroit Pistons, so he couldn't beat them. And then he hired this trainer who was a bit insane, but he was, he was the right person that he needed and he trained really hard and then he overcame, uh, he, uh, he went over that hump, you know, and it was amazing. Um, so um, I've heard a lot about the Socratic method and Socrates to me is, uh, is an amazing man, not just for his philosophy, but the way he uh, died because he died for what he believed in and he didn't, he could have fled, he could have fled away because they threatened him they gave him opportunities, but he said no, and he uh, he died for what he believed in. He died a hero. He absolutely. It's a, in a way, it's like the the Christ. I mean, who died on the cross for his beliefs. Okay, Socrates is like the Greek Christ. Why? Because he said, I may disagree with the current laws, but I. Uh, if you want to change the laws, you have to go voting, you have to uh, participate in government. You know, so you have, we have a civilization. Uh, we can't just all be anarchists and ignore the law. Because <laughs> you have to change the law, you have to change, bring about change 
through the system. You can't just, so he respected the system. He respected the laws, even if he disagreed with certain things. So it's like, it's his way of saying, this is civilization. Civilization means living together. And, uh, you know, I'm not just going to ignore uh, our civilization here just because, so he wasn't going to, as you say, sneak out in the in the night, uh, although he had the opportunity to. Right. So, and yeah, he he died for his beliefs. Uh, Greece was not exactly a democracy when Socrates was around. They had like a, an oligarchy, like a kind right. of dictatorship with a few. It was after the Spartan War. The Spartan had won and. Um, it was like a dictatorship almost of, of several people, not one, but several. Uh, the, the tyranny of the 30, the 30 tyrants. Anyway, difficult times and Socrates was a troublemaker for them. Why? Because he provoked people to think, to commit thought crime, in other words. So he would just question, go up to people in the street and, and ask them questions, ask them like, what what is happiness for you? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's a car. Maybe it's a house or a cart. Uh, you know. Uh, I mean, the person would answer, and then Socrates would act like a lawyer almost. The way because lawyers have learned from the Socratic method, they study mm. the Socratic method. Um, so he would say, "Is that true? Like, haven't you noticed when you did move into a bigger house, did that really make you happier?" And sometimes the answer would be, no, I have more problems, you know. Um, (laughs) He would basically help to disprove these people's thoughts and make them think, like, why do you, why do you want what you want? Is it really going to make you happier? Is it like, he would ask them important questions, prompting them. Right. And people would slowly awaken. It's like, you're right, you know, I, I had very limiting beliefs before would like make people start dare to think out of their boxes um, simply by questioning them and asking for proof. It's like, how are you sure about that? And, and if that's so, how are you sure that that's like that? And the other, the person would just in the end realize that he's been living a lie. He's been living with, you know, not clear thoughts. So Socrates would help them to, to, to open their minds, basically, by asking them questions. Like, you know, some of the, some maybe professor or teacher, um, when they ask you questions, you know, and really put you on the spot. Yeah. Now, it's not, it's not always comfortable. Or like you said about that coach, you know, he'll push you to your limit. Right. Uh, coaches of the basketball players. Like that, like a coach in a way. So he would be opening the mind of the youth and the dictators, these, uh, these tyrants, they didn't like that about him. Uh, Is there so, a specific way that this looks like? Because I have, I have to admit, I have not read uh, Plato yeah. yet. Plato is the, the person that trans- transcribed, I think, most of the Socrates' thoughts. Right. right. Absolutely. Now, as a student of Socrates and seeing how Socrates died because he was uh, sentenced to death, uh, this drove, you know, Plato to be so depressed that his teacher was, you know, uh, sentenced to death this way. And he said, I have to retain all the, the teachings of my teacher. I have to write them down so that they can be carried on 
Otherwise they will die with him and they will die with us. So he sat there and transcribed many of the dialogues. Imagine you had a favorite teacher or coach and he happened to pass away. He happened to die in some way. Yeah. You would sit there and you would try, you would say, this can't be lost. I have to sit here and write uh, and try to recreate the dialogues uh, the way the way Socrates said. So this is how we know about his method. This is what the, this is what they are. Uh, Platon, Plato writes in dialogue. Dialogue. Right. But it's amazing how much he. Uh, do you think yeah, everything was verbatim that he? Uh, um, because obviously there's a lot. You'd have to have a fantastic memory. <laughs> you'd have to have. A, of course, he became creative. He made up stories. He he, he created hypothetical symposiums. You okay. know, like. Uh, the, um, for example, the famous one, the symposium. Symposium just means drinking together, by the way. It, it means right. a big dinner banquet. It's a big dinner banquet, but they had a, a one topic. They had, they chose, okay, we're going to speak about this at the dinner table. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, so, and they might stay for three days or four days to discuss one topic to reach the truth. They would have dialogue and debate so that Finally, the truth, because they wanted the truth, okay, because they were uh, Socrates students. This is Socrates is all about getting to the truth. Right. Okay. Uh, getting beyond the lies. Okay. Because you can't have civilization and justice if there are lies. So yeah. Truth is the basis of justice. That's okay? right. That's right. So that's why the Socratic method is, as I said, what the lawyers learn. What do lawyers learn in law school? They learn about the old cases, but they also learn a way to question people to get to the truth. Correct? Right, right. Or oh, they try to. I'm not all lawyers have a reputation that's good though. Misused <laughs> the system, this the system can be misused, and that's what we call sophistry sophistication you know yeah the sophist. the sophist is the person who you know some like some lawyers are they they because they're so good at this method they turn the truth they get you to a, to, to to say things you didn't want to say you know right. so this is a misuse of the power this is a misuse of the method unfortunately you know that's a, that's a you know human uh, some humans have this for their own motives but um, they will get, to, uh, but this is the system. The system is to ask questions and ask for proof. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you say you were there on that night. Uh, you know, where's the proof? Were you there or were you there? Uh, until the person finally starts revealing the truth, goes beyond the lies to the truth. This is the, the goal is to get to the truth, your truth by asking yourself questions or your, uh, your coach prompting you through questions. Right. So, And sophistry would avoid uh, telling the truth. They would skew the truth. And uh, I think a lot of politicians nowadays are, are lawyers first, and then they become politicians. <laughs> Absolutely, because they learn the art of arguing and debating, but then they can misuse it. If you know how to do it, then you can misuse it. Okay, it's like 
martial arts you know some people use it to beat people up you know uh, right. it's not you know, it's like you you can misuse it but uh yeah this what happens though is what what does socrates say when you live a court like that when you live with lies and manipulation you will pay for that you will pay for that he, he goes you will never find happiness and fulfillment okay mm. the whole goal of all of this is happiness and fulfillment that's the goal of philosophy is is what they call eudaimonia epidemonia uh, eudaimonia means human flourishing to flourish right. okay bring out your best potential and it goes if you're if you're living with lies you cannot reach your you will never flourish okay you might mm. get ahead he's not saying you you might get ahead in life you'll get maybe your Porsche your BMW but then what happens according to Socrates your your soul cannot be happy it's not that he's against money if if gotten in an honest way fine but if you're going to use lies in your life it's all backfires on you and it's not only Socrates this is uh, for example the Greek tragedies that's what they teach that when mm. you have too much hubris hubris is uh, like too much ego too much uh, of this it backfires on you and this is the, the the teachings of the tragedies that when you go high up but in a, in a bad way through manipulation you will have your downfall you know take some examples of uh, i don't know epstein or um you know what was that other producer from hollywood there uh, harry weinstein Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey. So it's like when you're hubris, hubris means extreme ego, extreme, you know, uncontrollable, un, uh, unmoderated sense of ego. Right. I mean, some ego is good, but if it gets out of hand and you think you're a god, you will come tumbling down. Right. In one way or another, through alcoholism, through drugs, through disgrace, you will have, you know, you will never sleep well. <laughs> That's this is what Socrates is saying. Why it's so important to keep clearing the the BS, you know, keep right. clearing thoughts, keep your thoughts clear. But it does seem like uh, some people can able are able to so-called thrive on that, but maybe they're built. Uh, maybe they're built different, but like you say, it never lasts long because they get like the Kevin Spaceys of the world that, that abuse people, they eventually get found out and all the uh, pedophiles or whatnot and, and uh, that are in high places, they might get away with it today, but they might not get away with it tomorrow. And that's the thing. Exactly. And so, and even if they're not caught, their soul is not at ease. Now, according to Socrates, their, mm. the, the soul is not does not experience flourishing uh, which uh, the greeks and the stoic philosophers uh, this is why they focus on what's called areti areti is virtue mm, virtue, virtue right. uh, not so much in the christian sense of i'm uh, you know virtuous but in the sense uh, it was it, it's not the it doesn't have to do with modesty, virtue. If virtue is like honor, okay? I think a better word for it is like, it's honor, the man's honor, okay? The woman's honor. 
but right. uh, it's not it's not like the Christian sense of virtue in the sense that you're not doing it so that um, for others you're not it's not an altruistic reason it's actually a, a, an egotistical reason it's a self-preservation reason so I am virtuous for me not okay. for uh, not to pretend to be like a good citizen I will if for example if I find a wallet on the street I must see and who is the owner of this wallet now I'm not doing that for the other person in the in the Christian sense I'm doing it for me I'm doing it to feel good for me to feel good about me okay it's right. my to my Self. It's when they, to your own self be true. You know, Shakespeare let, picked up this line, to thy own self be true. It's about being truthful to yourself. Why? For your own happiness. I'm returning this wallet to you so that I can be happy. It's, I'm happy, you're happy, but I'm not doing it so you can have a good opinion of me and do the right thing. I'm doing it for my happiness. I'm doing, you have to do the right thing, whether or not anyone else is looking. Right. But wouldn't from the Christian sense also be for themselves? Because um, I can speak there because I'm Christian that I wouldn't feel guilty. So it also it's, it's for them, but it's for me as well. I don't want to feel no, bad. That's the thing here. We don't <laughs> not dealing with Christian guilt. There's no right. guilt here. That's what I'm saying. You're doing it for your own happiness, well-being, and peace. It, and I'll tell you something, that's the only real reason that ever will motivate you. Your own happiness is right. what motivates you. Know? Even if you're like Mother Teresa, I believe Mother Teresa wasn't doing it for others. It made herself feel happy, okay? It may, you, like Freud said, our main driving thing is our own self actually whether we admit it or not so when i go to charity events and i i help the poor who am i doing it for really who am i really making feel good i'm making myself feel good well that that is a deep philosophical debate who are because some people say you can't really be altruistic is it's always selfish um yeah. but um okay you're selfish as long as you build the hospital for the orphan kids everybody's happy but let's not kid ourselves you're doing it first for yourself what a good person i am i'm helping right. so many people uh, so. about mother Teresa, <laughs> i think she said that uh one of her biggest inspirations from the bible was that whatever you did to the least of me meaning to the poorest you did it to me meaning jesus or god so that was yeah. uh um yeah. whether but this made her feel good, you see. It's about feeling good yourself, in, in, not in a selfish way, in a mm. healthy, selfish way. And it's like, I'm doing good. See, when I give, for example, a gift to someone, the other person will say, thank you. And I say, well, thank you for accepting it. You make me feel good. You see, when you give a, a necklace to your girlfriend, okay? You give her a nice pearl necklace sometime, maybe if you're in love sometime. You'll sure. say, I'm gonna give you this. Who is that? Who did her lighting up and being happy? Who, who gets the benefit <laughs> later on? <laughs> yeah. No, who, who feels well? Good? I, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. It's, it's okay. about yourself. 
It's about yourself in a healthy way. I mean that in a healthy way. Do good for yourself so you can be happy. You can be okay with yourself and feel good about yourself. Because that's the only, if you're honest with yourself, that's who you're doing it for in the first place. Right. I am really honest with yourself. Right. Doing it. I'm a good boyfriend. I'm I'm a good guy. I'm I'm giving her this whatever. I'm helping her out with her computer. Who are you doing it for? For her? Yes, it's for her, but ultimately it's for yourself. But also you you increase your virtue as well. There, there's a quote by uh, a philosopher named Eric Coffer. It says, You are made kind by being kind. So it implies that uh, as you more do something that you become more of that, right? Would uh, Socrates agree? Absolutely. Your kind actions bring out more of your kindness. You you create a cycle of goodness. You create right. a, a cycle of, you know, love. Because all of this is, is motivated by love. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is it. Uh, love and happiness. This is what we've all ever wanted. In ancient times, in modern times, all we want is, you know, peace and happiness, right? And these different schools found, you know, ways to reach that. The, the Stoics said that you need, you need those four virtues. You need to practice moderation, uh, temperance and moderation. Uh, you need to practice justice uh, with your friends, with your family, with your society, justice and truth. I mean, that's the second virtue. Uh, the third is uh, courage and mm. you, you know to practice to be courageous to stand up for what you believe in for example to speak up to fight for whatever you want to fight for you know you have to be courageous start a new business uh, this is courage mm. uh, and the the last the four the fourth virtue is practical wisdom okay like practice practical wisdom so these four virtues the christians adopted okay the four cardinal virtues they're called and the early christians adopted these four virtues Uh, much of greek philosophy was taken in you see the the difference is that uh, in 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 christianity there is christ okay Uh, the greek philosophers never never had prophets Okay, philosophy is not about, you know, the chosen one. Greek philosophy is that says that everyone is the chosen one. Everyone is the chosen one. Uh, you, you, in the sense that there's no one better prophet than other people. Philosophy is, is not about dogma, like take these 10 commandments and, you know, it's not dogma. It's self-questioning. It says you and I have the power we have the power. We don't need a bigger force, a higher right, force. Right. How if about- If there is a force, if there is a God, that God could maybe created the universe, but he doesn't sit and answer your specific prayers. You have to save yourself. You have to save yourself through temperance, all these four virtues that I said, um, through courage. You, No one's gonna save you. Grow up. There's no fairy godmother. Uh, you have to you know clear your shit you have to take action you have to be courageous it's all up to you your salvation your 
salvation. And there's no heaven and hell either with Greek philosophy. There's this life. Right. Greeks were realists. Greek philosophy is all about being a realist. Uh, there's, it's, it's, it's all about here and now on this earth. Um, what about, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious uh, about Socrates. You said that everybody is the same, but uh, it does seem that Socrates was uh, because he achieved that level that he was, um, he was in yeah, that level. I never said, you know what, guys, I'm the chosen one. He didn't oh, say, I'm the son of, of God. I'm the son of Zeus. Never. And even Stoicism is not named after any teacher. It's not like Buddhism named after Buddha. Okay. Stoicism means uh, this stoa where you see me sitting in. Mm -hmm. It's the place where they met. They didn't have a guru. They had right. uh, some wise teachers, but they never venerated prophets and gurus it's all about being human it's humanitarianism realism and humanitarianism so what is your personal um belief humanism, system of... not humanitarian, humanism okay Sorry, so what it, what is your i'm curious what is your personal belief system you, you explained the the greek um philosophy view of uh, heaven hell and and uh you know the afterlife in general and virtue well, what is your own belief system about this i'm just curious <laughs> whatever what i believe doesn't really matter but okay I'll, I'll give you a, a a little short thing no it's what i was saying i mean i believe in what i'm with this path otherwise i wouldn't be you know talking about it i believe in this path of self-questioning um self-leadership uh working uh you know living trying to live a virtuous life, practicing virtue. Mm -hmm. And um, if you live in this way, for example, you set the right goals for yourself without kidding yourself, not being over ambitious, but not being too under ambitious, being just re realist. Right. You can achieve your goals. You, you don't need, uh, okay, there's luck plays a, a measure, but if you're well prepared, you you know you you can create your future. You can achieve your goals. Um, so, in other words, I'm not expecting uh, someone to save me. I, I have the reins of my life are in my hands. I take charge. Uh, I try not to lie to myself. Try mm. not to deceive myself. So, if you stop lying to yourself, then life becomes simple. Your goals are clear. You're not confused. You don't have time management issues. You know what you stand for. You know what your values are. And uh, you, you have self-leadership. So people follow you. If you have self, how can you lead others if you can't lead yourself? Okay. Right. So if I want, so first I, I work on my own garbage, clear my stuff. And that's all I need to work on. If each person worked on their own stuff, uh, tried to live with virtue, tried to live with in truth. I think life just becomes simplified and there's a lot less drama in one's life. Um, and as I said, there may, there may be this uh, creation being, if you like, the, the being, the logos, as the, the Greeks call it, the logos, the original, you know, high intelligence consciousness. But it's not going to um, 
sit and answer my prayers. You know, if I want uh, a house by the sea, for example, I have to chase that dream. God right. is not going to answer my prayers. Uh, totally. on I, that. I agreed. Yeah. I, um, but I do believe in the power of, of th thought. Okay. If mm -hmm. you think, if you're focused and clear and you're taking action, um, you know, you, you don't need metaphysics. This is what I'm trying to say. You don't actually need uh, metaphysics is, is nice. It's a nice feeling, but I think you don't need the metaphysical element. In, you, can, you can take care of your own stuff. You're a grown person. You're a mature human being. You can make stuff happen without the, the magic. You, you don't need them. I mean, magic uh, is nice, but life is magical already. You know, it's like taking sauce and adding more sauce. Taste what the salad tastes like. In na nature, I mean, life is a miracle anyway. You don't have to put glitter on it. I think a lot of my guests on, on my podcast would uh, we talk about things that are a bit out there. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. But uh, I respect I'm, everyone's uh, opinion to things and whatever works for you, whatever works. Mm. Um, I, I like to have different points of view on. Um, I was curious because um, this is a very specific path, coaching. So um, how did you decide and how did you know that this is, the, this is for me because coaching is, is a very specific uh, thing and, and uh, I would think you have to really know yourself to, to go into coaching, right? Well, I have to know myself. Yes, of course you have to know you, but you know what, this is a lifelong journey. Um, the, the thing with coaching is you just need to be you just need to know more than the person you're coaching. It doesn't mean you need to know it all. Right. And I don't know. I, as a coach, I use the Socratic method. I ask questions. And why do you think that? And how come you're taking that uh, decision? And why are these your two choices? And do you have other choices? Are there choices you haven't thought of? Hmm. I give my clients space to, to think for themselves. I just prod them with questions like Socrates. I, I ask them questions that help them arrive and reveal the truth, their truth. You know, I don't teach, I'm not preachy. Listen, I chose the role because you asked me, how did I get into coaching? Yes. Well, I tell you, the best way to learn something is to teach it. The best mm. way to, learn, for example, geometry is to uh, teach geometry right because anything you want to learn if you if you imagine that you're going to teach it or you you actually do teach it to some people who are i don't know people who know less than you um it helps you to consolidate your thinking so for example when i wanted to learn nlp neuro-linguistic programming or hypnosis right Okay, I read the books, I went to the seminars. It doesn't mean I was a good hypnotist. When I started teaching hypnosis, teaching self-hypnosis, for example, something happens to your brain, you become a lot more conscious. You become a lot more, it awakens you. So basically, whatever you want to master, you should be teaching. 
and this is something I've learned from others, and it's true. It's absolutely true. I, you know, it just turns on a different level when you say, "Oh my God, I'm going to have to teach this." So you you start taking stuff apart. You start dissecting it because you, someone's going to ask you questions, and so it helps really prompt your mind and experience on a much deeper level than just listening to something. Right. Yeah. I, I think for studying, uh, that's the best way to to learn something is to try to teach somebody else, and then um, someone who knows less than you, someone who knows less than you and is open to to learning. That's why it's always good to volunteer. I was a volunteering my coaching in the beginning. I was volunteering to coach people who wouldn't, not for payment, for example. And uh, that's how I learned the coaching process. I had to practice, in other words. Teaching is for practice. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I was always fascinated, though, with personal development, uh, reaching one's full potential, because Again, Socrates, why an unmeditated life is not worth living. I understood this very early in my life, like 16, 17. I thought an unmeditated, what? You're just going to go through life without being conscious of this thing? So uh, I, other translations say unexamined life is not worth living. Is that to him as well? It's the same. It's okay, the it's Socrates. the same. It's like examine what are you doing why are you in the relationship you're in why why did you choose this why did you choose this profession why are you what's the point of you interviewing what if i what if i say i don't know why i chose that program or I why i applied there it seemed like uh it seemed like a good idea at the time <laughs> that's okay if you have time to waste you're young you're young, you, you think time, you know, just go on and explore. And it's good, explore here, explore there. But, yeah. you know, you know why you're here. You're saying, I am consciously exploring some of the things that interest me. That's why I'm doing this. I don't know if I want to do this forever, but you're at the stage in your life right now. You're experimenting with different, like I was a journalist. Uh, you know, I was teaching yoga earlier on. I was teaching English and I was experimenting with these professions, for example, until, and so it was a conscious, the thing is to do it consciously. I am consciously experimenting with these professions. That's why I'm here. So the thing is to know why you're, your why, yeah. your why, you know, ask yourself, why am I here? Why am I going to take this girl out to dinner? Why, why, why am I, with time, you know, if you value your time uh, on this earth, which is very specific and very limited, you don't waste your time with, you know, you, you have choices all the time. There's choices, go, go to that party. You could have been at a party tonight. You could have been at a, at a bar tonight. You right. could have been exercising in the gym. You're prioritizing. You're like, why though? You have to know your why, your values. What do you value? So, so it seems like the first is valuing yourself, right? Valuing yourself, and then you're going to value your time, right? Absolutely. You value yourself, you value your time. Because you know what? Unlike money, unlike money, if you gave me $100, if you give your friend $100, you can get that money again. Your time this moment right now you can never get again 
And that's what the, a, system, a basic stoic exercise is called memento mori. Memento mori is, is Latin for remember your mortality, remember your death. And the Stoics, we Stoic, we reflect on our death every day. This is a meditation. I reflect on my death. You'll see many philosophers like Victor Hugo, they have a skull uh, or a, you know, a sculpture of a skull on their table. You know that it's to remind you that your time is limited. Don't waste it. So that's one Stoic exercise. Back to the Stoic exercises. We did a full circle. Right. Memento mori. We, we mentioned the obstacle is the way. Use the fire. Use the obstacles. And another one is amor fati. Amor fati. And that, again, is Latin. Uh, they, they took all the Greek logos, uh, motos, and they made them uh, Latinized. Right. Anyway, amor fati means... Well, that's the, that's the obstacle is the way. So Amor Fati is love what's happening. Embrace what is happening. Mm. It's, it's that, it's the obstacle is the way type thing. It's like love the obstacle. Right. You know? uh, I, have a st <laughs> and I have another, I don't know why, I keep coming with Kobe Bryant stories because by the way, he died last year and he was only yes. 41. So... Yes. Uh, Kobe Bryant one time uh, at an all-star game when you don't really play much defense, but uh, he got uh, his nose broken by uh, Dwayne Wade. And mm -hmm. Dwayne Wade later, uh, a day or so later, he called him to apologize. And he said, sorry, sorry, Kobe. And um, Kobe Bryant says, don't worry. I love it. I love it. <laughs> 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 and then he had uh, he had a mask on for the next uh, two weeks. And uh, when the next played, they, he Kobe Bryant destroyed them. <laughs> so, so he used that uh, he used that as a as a fuel. Even though you know uh, all the physical ailments he he got from other players, if it was intentional or something like that, he would use it. But he didn't care. He would just use it as a fuel to to get back, and he didn't mind, which I thought was just remarkable. You know, Samor Fati, love what's happening. Love it because you know a lot of the times you think that something is bad, and it turns out to be quite a blessing. Mm. It, it, it first of all it makes it can make you stronger, but bad things also help clarify. Like for example, if your girlfriend sleeps with someone else, this might actually bring you closer together. It might actually build your relationship. Uh, it could. It depends how you play it, how you right. see it, how you play it. Uh, you know, there's an inner process to see, is this a reason to leave her or is this a reason to work closer, to be closer together? Um, so everything bad, bad, uh, you know, it's how you're going to, again, the stoic thing. It's not what happens but how you perceive what's happening that's upsetting you. It's the way you're perceiving the event. So if you can just make that switch and anything that's bad, that looks bad, should be a trigger for you, a, a switch to say, great, this is a blessing. Right. Not knowing why, but just say, that's a blessing. It's a blessing, it's a blessing. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is yet, but it's a blessing. Um, it's, it's, you know, 
So this is the way to work with it. So everything can be worked towards good. Like as something bad happens to you and you're like, well, this is, this can build my character. Like uh, uh, my house. Or maybe there's something that better will come out of it. Maybe there's a car accident. You meet the girl, you know, who's in the other car and you, you meet the woman of your life because she crashed your car. <laughs> you know what's going to happen this is this might be you coming with your destiny you know face to face so just embrace it say that's good you know it's like what are you going to do with all that manure what are you going to do with all that dirt you're going to plant vegetables and the vegetables are going to be really great from your you know what are you going to do with that shit excuse me in your life right you're gonna you're going to make it compost it's going to be manure and you're going to make tomatoes you're going to make vegetables flowers all that all anything negative all that negative. jazz all that jazz <laughs> <my God. laughs> um okay I, I want to ask you about um because i had a at a last year i was working in a restaurant and i had a greek co-worker and he would always uh -huh. um make fun of something greek so i just wanted to ask your opinion on this i think i know what you're gonna say but okay so my co-worker was always uh bringing up the bad eye oh my sister oh, people said oh, eye. People <laughs> eye. Yeah, yeah he was always people. bringing that up so can you can you explain to the audience um because i think a lot of people don't know what the evil eye is and if you believe in it <laughs> look um that's uh, okay that's obviously not uh stoic right um Look, this is an ancient thing. The ancient Egyptians had it, the evil eye. You know, as a Stoic, I'm non-superstitious. I'm not superstitious. As a Stoic, I am not superstitious. If I want the evil eye to have an effect on me, what is it? I'll tell you what the evil eye. The evil eye is uh, jealousy, resentment. It's, if you become very successful, the first people to be envious of you is your immediate circle. Ooh. Yes, you, you. It hasn't happened to you. <laughs> it will happen. Oh, it will happen. <laughs> it will happen to you because. Okay. It's the comparing, the comparison. Like, right. He's gone to Hollywood. He's uh, got his. He just bought this. So they're happy for you, but there's also a hidden Schadenfreude. The Germans call it. Like we're happy for your downfall too. You know, uh... there's a lot of people. It's ambivalent. It's people, people themselves don't know because they never have thought about their thinking. They never say, why am I thinking that? Why, why did I just think that? You know, they don't reflect on it. They don't say, is that true? So this is what I'm saying is that we are surrounded by people who may be a little envious of us, okay? Um, especially when you're successful. So that's what happens is that you, this that's the evil eye in my in my view is that you know it's a little bit a little the envy a little the envy that may come back to you because your success when something that's why when something good happens people say let's spit the evil eye evil eye okay let's ward off why when you just when something good happens they usually say it which is very bad for me it's a very it's it's you know at the same time I don't believe that's what I'm saying. I don't believe it's an external energy. I think which just what happens is if you show off too much, if you're if you're not modest with your success, um, 
and keep a low profile, keep a serious profile. If you just go showing off in people's faces, it's gonna come back to you. They're gonna a little backstabbing, you know what I mean? There will be a negative energy, but not for some magical reason, not for some magical evil eye. I just think that you put out comes back to you. If you overdo it with the showing off, people build resentment. Now you can say people can be jealous anyway, even if I'm not showing off majorly. But when you they see you successful, to... they will be jealous. He's saying some people always be jealous. Some people will be insecure about that. And that's the kind of people yeah. who will try to sabotage you a little and talk a little bad about your yourself and that, that negativity will. But I think if you're, you know, you're aligned with your purpose and you're, you're in your truth, it, it won't matter to you. It, you you will not matter that much to you. You will understand human weakness. You understand? You say, okay, I would probably feel jealous too in his position. You, if you're right, honest right. with, yeah, it's about I, compassion. It's about compassion. Right. I, I want to. Um, uh, this is a story that I've learned from. I don't know if you know who Jack Canfield is, but he's this. Um, Jack Canfield. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Jack the, so there was uh, this study that he. Uh, that he found that um, there was this classroom. And um, so this is uh, an example of actually the opposite of the evil eye, I guess the good eye or whatever. So the study, the study was that uh, um, they sent the kids, the whole class to do an IQ test. And they told the teachers- IQ test? IQ yeah, test okay. or something, uh, some kind of aptitude test to see how the students yeah. are doing. It might not have been an IQ, so I'm not sure. But uh, some kind of test to see how they're doing, how good the students they are. And mm-hmm. uh, they came back and they told all the teachers, these two students were the top. But actually, they lied. It was, they were the average two students. But what ended up happening is that those two students, towards the end of the year, they gravitated towards the top. But they didn't treat them probably any different. They they just thought that with a good eye that these two students are good. So they the expectation maybe of them would rise. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um how, how do you explain that? Yeah, that's that is that is what uh, for me a gifted, a charismatic and, and gifted teacher uh coach uh, will do. Yeah. The coach the gifted coach, the gifted teacher, this is the gift for me. And this is how I see people. And when I see people and I try, I try, I, I'm, I try to tune into that. I'm like, let's see the good in this person, no matter what they're looking like or whatever. I'm like, I can, t- I try to see the good, their potential. And I try to bring it out in them, in my coaching, in my life in general, when I'm meet young people, older people. I'm, I always try to see their, the best, that's like the diamond that, that's covered up because we cover our beauty. We cover it. We, there's a lot of stuff, baggage that we cover right, the beauty. Right. So the, the good teacher, the good coach, the good parent, the good boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, the, the, that's the gift to see through the, excuse me, shit, to see through that and, and, and pull that out. And when you start seeing that in some, in the person, they start feeling like that. 
Dale, Dale Carnegie spoke about this, you know, a major, you know, this is what the gifted teacher does. He will look at you and, and just see your, you in, in what the Greeks call flourishing. They will see your flourished state. So they will help you in seeing you in that light in setting those good expectations uh, and, you know, believing in them more than they believe in themselves very often you will bring out that best self. This is a way, this is the way, you know, to see the, some would say the divinity in the other, the, the full potential, it doesn't matter how you label it. Um, and it works. I do it with my husband all the time. <laughs> in other words, I bring out his best self. If he had married another woman, he, he would be a different person. Mm. I bring out, and he brings out in me too, the best self, you know, uh, not taking bullshit, you know, and saying, come on, who's the real you? I know who you really are. You don't believe that. You don't believe that lie. You don't believe that anxiety, that fear. Come on, you're strong. You're courageous. Who are we? You know, you prep the other person up. You look not lying. You're not flattering them, but you, you really look at them and say, come on, let's stop the, the, you know, all this drama, right. it's not, you, you don't want to dramatize. I don't want to dramatize. Let's, you know, so you clear the, the garbage away, see the beauty in the other person. That, that's, that's, and the that's other it. person, they feel it, they feel it. Yeah, of now, course. So are some people that damaged that they don't trust you? It's happened to me. Like if I see the positive in the other person, they are so damaged that they think I'm, lying to them because they're that damaged you know that happens too sometimes they don't believe as much as you believe in them and you want to help them and you want to do they may not receive it you know they're not ready they're not ready to receive it that right. can happen about yeah. marriage apparently socrates said that uh marry a good wife be happy or marry a bad wife become a philosopher <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he had a bad wife that would spill water on him and stuff. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. well, she was, yeah, she had, look, she had difficulties with him because he would go off to the, to the stoa and, you know, hang out with the guys and talk the philosophy. And she's like, okay, where's the money? Bring on the money. Uh, <laughs> we got kids here. We're, you know, what's going um, But, you know, he kept his marriage and, yeah, he might have, he used it for fuel for self <laughs> you know that's what i'm saying he wasn't perfect he had yeah. his uh, you know and never claimed to be actually he, he would he would say like i'm nothing i'm i'm nothing i know nothing he was the first to say one thing i know the one thing i know for sure is that i know nothing i mm -hmm. i can ask questions i can ask questions i can ask i'm learning i'm curious yes but the more I discover them, and this is science. I mean, the more we move into science, the more we realize how much, how little we know. When you go into quantum, when you go into, you just, the more we know, the more we realize we know very little. Right. So this is the sign of wisdom to say, you know, actually, I'm just on the journey of discovery. I know that I need learning. I need more learning. And that doesn't end. A real philosopher, it doesn't end. And that's why the philosopher, the wise person, is always modest. It, is, it has a, 
not like you know step on me type modesty it's more like humble not so much modesty it's stay humble yeah stay humble. You know, that's stay quite humble, something stay hungry stay humble you know <laughs> just because you have a phd it doesn't mean you know you know it's just you know how to learn you know how to you know this is the thing never get too full of yourself this is a loss of the balance remember the balance we were talking about yeah yeah, yeah. moderation okay and this is very good because no matter how successful you are, the ups and the downs, you know, life is just all ups. You have a fortune, then you lose the fortune. You have to be prepared for this very bumpy ride. Life is a roller coaster, roller coaster ride. Okay. Nothing, nothing stable about it. So yeah. don't get too full of yourself, you know. <laughs> okay. Get um, full of yourself because, you know, you can lose it all in one day. And then if you've, if you've stayed humble, you'll have some friends left, you know, who will help you out. Right. It's quite a statement that, that the most one of the most famous, if not the most famous philosopher that the world has ever seen has said, I know nothing. I'm just asking questions. Uh, that's, that's quite something. Yeah. I know, I know that I know nothing. Actually, I'm just starting. I'm a kid. I'm a baby here. There's so much, and he was right. Look, look what science discovered. Look what, and we keep going and we just realize, oh my right. God, after what are, what's after the black holes, you know? Right. First it was flat earth and then it was round. And some people still now, now back say it's flat. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Use the scientific method, which began in Greece. This is why we say that the Western civilization began in Greece. Yes. Greece was the first civilization to use this scientific method, like Socratic method. Where is the proof? Test your theory. I think the earth is flat. Okay, let's go see if it's flat. So exactly. Science, uh, and science doesn't say it knows everything. Science, again, remains humble and says, we know that we're learning constantly. Um, so there this we go. Is the thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, people, I don't know, they're very easy to, to dismiss science, but science is the reason you and I right now are talking. Yeah. Uh, Zoom, computers, Zoom. internet, In everything. Is that not magic? Are we not using magic? Tele, telekinesis, tele, uh, you know, science is rockets to the moon. Okay. And you know, to launch the rocket to the moon, you have to be so precise. You cannot have one thing out of place. Otherwise you're not gonna reach the moon or Mars. You know, this is the thing with science, everything is precise. It's not just BS. It's like, oh yeah, right. you know, show me the proof. And this is, this is the Western, this is the root of Western civilization, the scientific method show me the proof show me the truth show me i mean i don't say mysticism is not enticing but you don't need mysticism we can do so much we are gods we are gods we have divine powers divine power of logic and reason and this is what the animals don't have okay so 
we're already magic. We don't have to add more onto that. You know what I mean? We world, have power. The world is magic. The, the nature is magical as well. Leo um, Tolstoy said that. He goes, truth is better. True story is much more fascinating than fiction. Truth is so cool, so wonderful. You know, the moon outside, we have full moon. What do you have out there? Are you full moon? These are, these, are, these are miracles. We are miracle. We are already magic. Nature is already so wondrous. You know. Yeah. So if um, if people want to uh, get coaching from you or want to uh, you to be a speaker or anything like that, where can they find you? Oh, you just type in Aikistis and you'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put I'll put the, your website okay. in the description. I net is the website the, the book is fear to freedom from fear to freedom mm -hmm. and website and yeah you can't okay. um, i'll put your book and the website in the description on youtube facebook and uh, podcasting platforms um thank you, thank you so much for being on the podcast I thoroughly enjoyed it. I could go on all night. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you everybody for watching or listening. Thank you very much. Thank you, our dear friends, for putting up with our wonderful conversation here. We <laughs> enjoyed it. We hope you did too. Thank you.